brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome back to the one and only Cavs the Podcast, featuring commentary from all of your favorite Cavs the Blog bloggers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to Cavs a Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm here with Evil Genius. Evil Genius, back from uh, back from Exodus. <laughs> well, not back, but but at least uh, at least a uh, mid mid filming break. To we've we've, we've a... summoned him via a seance here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm I'm about halfway through, but uh, well, hopefully okay. by. I'll be back before the season's over, at least. So. Well, is is is? Did you get to talk to your family and and keep in touch with them today? That's the most important thing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's it's hard during the week, but I, I try to FaceTime with them on the weekends. It doesn't get too far out of touch, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's tricky though because it's you know it's um it's so, about ten hours different yeah i was figuring it was between 10 and 11 hours yeah it's 10 it's 10 normally and now right now it's nine because of dst yeah but then but then the eet um we goes through i think this weekend also (laughs) does their jump ahead so it'll be back to 10 hours uh, after the weekend so that's kind of nuts but (laughs) is what it is you know just a few more weeks well, it, it's warming up here in Northeast Ohio. I think it was in the 50s today. It feels like hopefully winter is behind us. I know it was a very long, cold, depressing winter here. <laughs> the January. Yeah, well, we had it's some, funny. We had some snow. We had some snow here today. So. Oh, did you? Okay. <laughs> I tell you yeah, what, we're not this quite was there yet. The most depressing. This was the worst winter that I can remember in at least 50. In, Probably since I moved here, <laughs> yeah, twenty well, some I mean, years ago, COVID, it was COVID cold and snowy. Yeah, COVID definitely. Uh, yeah, I think ampl- amplifies that considerably too. So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, the Cavs have given us some rays of sunshine. I mean, I not the, tonight, but not tonight. But <laughs> no, tonight's game was yeah. rough. Yeah, yeah, let me let me pull up a box score here because it was. Um, you sure you want to? <laughs> well, it was. It's really interesting because the night before was a Toronto game that was 
as atypical of an NBA basketball game as you'll ever see. I don't think you will see many teams give up 27 turnovers and still win. <laughs> yeah, that's bizarre. That's one of those, you look at the box score and you're like, wait, did they how, how did put this the happen? wrong score <laughs> with the wrong team? Yeah, it was, it, was the, it was a really goofy game. And against a better team, Cleveland probably would have won that game. Or Cleveland probably would have lost that game. But last night was kind of not their night. But honestly, it, the funny thing is, is if you're looking at this game just from a pure draft pick standpoint, you're probably happy the Cavs lost this one <laughs> because it dropped them behind the Kings in the uh, in the standings for you know a lottery pick. <laughs> if if the Cavs well, the make Kings the still seem, the Kings still seem like they. I mean, I guess they're even further behind than the Cavs are in the Western Conference because the Western Conference is a little bit better than the Eastern Conference. Yeah, here, but. Well, but I still, mean, like the Kings, still feel like a team that that could be on the could have a puncher's chance to to get that in the top ten where they play the crazy play in game or whatever it is. Yeah, so. I mean the Cavs are only a couple games out of that. I get well, I guess they're four games out of the play in. So well, they got a, they got another rough. Uh, they have a very up. rough stretch ahead of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was funny because. I I follow a guy named William Liu on uh, Twitter, who's a longtime uh, Toronto blogger, and he said, you know, from LeBronto to now getting sunned by uh, Sexton, and and you know, the Cavs have ruined yeah. the Toronto season yet again after last <laughs> night's game. Well, I mean, they have been forced to play in Tampa, so I yeah, mean, they're the they, and they're the third best team in Tampa, so. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, and which is saying something. But I, <laughs> although I guess, I guess the you know the, the uh, almost said the Patriots because of Tom Brady, right? Uh, I guess the the Bucks won Super Bowl this year, and the and and the the Rays were pretty good too. So hey, and the Lightning aren't bad. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Lightning are not they might bad. be the, so fourth the fourth best team. In they're Tampa. the fourth best team in Tampa, <laughs> even though they're an adopted team yeah. in an adopted city. But, but they have won a championship in the last uh, few years, so you got to give them that. Yeah. Hey, no, they look, they definitely they they got their ring same as the Cavs did in 2016, yeah. but Yeah, and um, it's Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like you know, you've been hearing a lot about Lowry in the trade talks lately and you know, I kind of feel like it's it's about time. I mean, you know, if they don't trade him now, they're not gonna trade him. They'll just get you know get nothing for him. He'll just retire an honorary raptor, I guess. Yeah, I think. I mean, the to me, if you looked at that game, the way it went, their center play is terrible. I mean, you know, Chris Boucher is putting up some numbers this year, but he's not a not a really good player. If there was a team that actually could use. A Drummond, Andre yeah. Drummond. It's the Toronto Raptors, but the question is: Does Toronto want to basically punt on this year and you know just develop young guys, or do they really well, want to try and compete? Because they're not getting at. I mean, they're not going to get anywhere close to getting at. I mean, they're not even in the playoff picture right now. No, but I I feel like the East. Well, maybe outside of the top three in the East, um, is, is bad enough that. 
you know, any team can make some noise. And then, of course, you've got playoff bud. <laughs> and anything can happen there. I suppose. I suppose. But but like you said, like they're not really a team that's built right now to win. I mean, I yeah. don't know what happened to Pascal Siakam, but he, he doesn't seem like the same player this year. At no, least in he a doesn't. little bit I've seen. He's been hurt and, uh, and he was terrible in the bubble. He probably had the worst bubble of any kind of star player. And yeah. he hasn't really recovered from like from that, like you said. Well, that's really why you wouldn't why you wouldn't you know take on a Drummond because you you really just would be a yeah. an expensive rental for that you have to give up some kind of an asset for at least a bad contract. I mean, there's some way that they could like it's just a three or four team trade where Lowry ends up in Miami or or Philly and you know yeah Drummond I mean there's a way Toronto. they can do it with like Baines and Powell and OG Ananobi yeah. but. I'm not sure you make that move, although uh, Dwight Powell or Norman Powell, sorry, Dwight Powell was a different. Um, <laughs> it I had a kind of a hilarious night last night. I, I, I'm doubting you watched the game, but he no, and I Collins, didn't. But I heard I heard something about him and Sexton getting into a, a like some scuffle. Yeah, and the funniest thing was like Colin Sexton in the third quarter played as well as I've seen him play. You know how, like, sometimes Colin Sexton will just start trying to take it super personally and try and do everything? He was doing that, but he was making great passes and feeding all his teammates and shooting open threes and letting the offense come to him, and he was was really good. As good as I've... A good a quarter as I've seen from Colin Sexton. And just Powell was just playing like it idiot just like coming down and going one on three and trying to dunk on you know jared allen and just right. du- you know well, just out of his game over and over for you right i mean you know some some nights some guy just decides to to just get in his head to get angry and goes off and you know it's not sustainable in any any sort of a series <laughs> type of a, a situation but for one night in the nba you can you know, you can have your way with things. But yeah, and it, it was fun to see Colin Sexton have that kind of a game, for sure, because we've, yeah. we've all seen these games where he gets in to, I'm just going to try and put the, my team on the ba- on my back and score every game, but he was really doing it without moving without the ball as much as he was doing it moving, you know, with the ball. And the Cavs really played a, a really inspired third quarter, and unfortunately, the game was much closer than it should have been when the Cavs were right. up by, I I want to say, twenty two, and yeah. then ended well, up. Of that, and that's where the turnovers come in, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and ended up only winning by eleven and being, you know, I think they cut it all the way to four at one point. Um, yeah, and it was well, pretty they were, crazy. They were pretty good with the turnovers tonight, except for Garland. Yeah, and you know, a lot was made after the the um broadcast about just it being the uh back to back and you know yeah, the Cavs I saw looking Jeff pretty Belf went to that went to that excuse pretty quickly. <laughs> he really like, did like insta insta excuse and I'm like Yeah, I don't know if that holds much water anymore. Like, come on, like these guys are I don't know. I mean and the way that J B did his sort of hockey line shifts tonight anyway, I was like, Well, all right. I mean how can you be tired if you only play wind up playing twenty five minutes, right? Yeah, I mean it it was it was certainly an 
interesting ball game from from a Cleveland standpoint. I mean, at the end of that, like you said, in the first half, uh, we were sitting at fifty points with about seven and a half minutes left in the in the oh, second yeah. quarter, and I'm like, and you were saying, hey, first team to one forty wins. Well. And that was when the that was before the Cavs started missing pretty much every shot and and running zero offense in the yeah. in the third quarter. I mean they had nine points, uh, you know, with about two minutes left to go, and I it was starting to look like that. I, I'd heard about that one game, maybe on the road trip when they lost ten straight when when uh, they had like a nine point, and it was just <laughs> you know it was just awful. So yeah, and you saw them doing a lot of what they were doing in in that stretch of, oh, we're just going to, you know, guys just settling for elbow runners over and over well, and over. Well, just guys going one-on-one yeah. against the whole team. I mean, you you brought up a good point, which is, you know, you, you really – maybe I thought it was you, but the, you know, the Cavs really showed their, their starting lineup as a scoring problem. I mean, they – Oh, yeah. They really don't um, – you know, when when – Sexton or Garland, either either one of them is not shooting the ball well. They don't seem to know how to get the ball downloaded to Jared Allen consistently. Um, Okoro, Okoro doesn't score at all. I mean, I know he had 15 points in the Toronto game, but that was sort of sort of odd anomaly. Fourth quarter explosion. And then, you know, Nance has been – seems pretty rusty since he came back. Against, yeah, he's huh? he's been real hit or miss. Um, you saw a lot tonight – uh Toronto or uh Sacramento was double teaming Allen without the ball a lot and Cleveland right. really didn't know how to get into a set quickly to take advantage of that. Um you know part of that is Larry Nance Jr flash into the the free throw line but another problem so I there's a guy I you know talk to a lot on Twitter and his name's John Coker uh, or I'm I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce this K O C H E R, but anyway, he was talking a lot about the comparisons of Allen and Windler playing together versus Allen and Nance playing together, um, mm. and you know the net rating for Allen and Windler or not Windler, uh, Dean Wade, sorry, no is way, a lot yeah. higher, um, and mainly because well, Dean Wade had a pulse, <laughs> yeah, Dean Wade you know, can fill it up from deep, has that quick release, seems to move without the ball. But I think the other side of that is, you know, like you noted, and multiple people on the live thread noted, you know, the Cavs don't move off the ball and basically just go plant Isaac Okoro in a corner. And I think it's really hard to, you know, really hard for Okoro to Nance to share the floor together. Because they're both players who are pass first players and don't look for their own shot and don't, you know, they'll they'll shoot a three when they're wide open, but they're not those guys that I've got, you know, an inch of daylight. I'm going to shoot a three, you know. Even Tariq, they, they don't seem to run anything. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, that's correct also me if true. I'm wrong, but like, <laughs> like even even early on, they were just running and gunning with the with the Kings and it, things were going in, but. Yeah, you know they got into that in that stretch in the third where the starters were back out there, and I think you know I mean Luke Walton's a pretty good, pretty smart coach, and even though the Kings aren't super good at defense, they've had a lot of problems this year. You know if you if you sort of sit back and say, all right, well, you know we're 
we know these guys can't certain guys aren't aren't going to be able to score on us that easily so you know and and if we can force well, that's what teams are looking to do they're just looking to force you know Sexton and Garland to go hero ball and yeah or you know, Nance or Okoro hope- to beat you one on one which they yeah that's not their game <laughs> yeah exactly so if you stop passing the ball I mean they had like they had like twenty nine assists last night against the Raptors and then they had twenty two tonight but you know um, it was uh, you know it, it didn't seem like it seemed like a lot of them came in the first in the first half when. Shots were going down. And, yeah, um, it makes me wonder if that starting lineup, not as much as being physically tired from the one-on-one, but being mentally tired, um, mm. or the not the one-on-one, the back-to-back. I mean, I thought it was interesting because they were running a practice yesterday on top of it being the first night of a back-to-back, and you saw yeah. some practice highlights from or at least some photos from Cleveland Clinic courts where, you know, Larry Nance, not Larry Nance, Kevin Love was playing. And you, it makes you wonder. It's like Kevin Love was playing in the practice session. Yeah. Right. Uh, they showed him on the floor practicing with the Cavs on Sunday. Um, but he wasn't obviously. <laughs> Did they sell tickets to that kind of thing? <laughs> Only at 20% capacity. <laughs> Yeah, uh, oh, only about twenty percent of the media can come. So. I don't know if I'm ever going to get a chance to see Kevin Love play again. Ever. So I was I was getting into this on Twitter a little bit tonight. You will see Kevin Love get a chance to play again because nobody's getting uh, unless Kevin Love plays like tomorrow and has a thirty point game. Uh, nobody's trading for him this year. I mean, you're just oh no. No, Not, I, I know that. I'm yeah. just I'm saying like, well, but then you know, like, what's <laughs> I mean, well, what's he doing? Like, well, it's going to be a little bit like you know John Wall, where he 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 just may be out for the better part of two seasons, and then you'll see him next year. But the Cavs aren't buying him out. They're not stretch paying him at least until after the 2022 trade deadline. Because if they you were, know what it reminds me of it, it reminds me of the the Danny Ferry contract in the day. <laughs> just yeah, an order of magnitude he's higher like, he's just here for the dollar amount. But yeah, yeah, he's just he's just here. Like he's not going anywhere. He's just <laughs> he's just he's just old and slow and <laughs> and injured all the time and costs a lot of money. Now, there's that great. I don't know if you were ever a Cheers fan, but there's that. There's sure. a great cheers line about or no it was on Frasier and you know how on uh Frasier everybody from Cheers like made a guest star appearance yeah yeah <laughs> well there was one where they had Sam Malone and he was talking about yeah Rebecca she's back at the bar oh she's working at nope she's just back at the bar <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what yeah. Kevin Love reminds me of at this point like he he's yeah. not really doing anything. Bad. He's just kind of there. I feel bad. I mean, look, you know, I mean, I think he's done a lot for not just yeah, you know, players in the NBA, but athletes in general, just with the the mental health thing. But no, this 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 calf thing has really kind of gotten the better of them. Well, and yeah, and I don't know how much of it's mental, but I I think the other side of it is just guys sometimes have these injury issues that don't go away. I mean. It's really interesting. You see a guy that's having. You, you knew it would come back to Thad Young. 
It always but Thad Young is having a great year, and he looked like almost out of the league last year. Like he was so bad, and yeah. he, because he had a hip injury that was just you know taken forever to heal. And you know, guys have these injuries that take a long time. And not that I'm you know some huge Kevin Love stand. I mean, I'll always love the guy for what he did in 2016, oh, sure. and you know sure. all those championship games, but or all those uh, playoff games. But it's still you know that they're going to have to figure out you know how to play without them and it it's a really tough situation but you know you just got to be patient well, it's really all you and, can really do and they kind of got caught in between i mean you know there there's a lot of these sort of like treading water moves that they've made that yeah i mean i, I don't know i was i was, was going to lead into that i mean i I don't know if we've talked about the game enough but i kind of feel oh, like yeah. other we than other than it. just saying like it's the it was the maybe the the JaVale McGee goodbye game. Um, <laughs> no, I think you know, we can he... we can get back to the game a little bit because I definitely want to talk about you know the difference between the the starters and the bench. But but what were you gonna say? Well, I was just gonna I was gonna sort of roll into the whole like this team's got a lot of decisions to make. I mean, you know, I mean, there's the immediate ones like you know I mean the trade deadlines this week. Clearly, nobody's trading for Andre Drummond and his Albatross contract. So he's probably. I mean, do, does he get bought I, out? Do you I, think, I do you think, think somebody will actually trade and, for him. What's that? I think somebody will actually trade for him. You do? I do. I think there is a trade there if the Cavs want to do it. The problem is, is whoever the Cavs kind of trade for him, teams are going to try and attach. You know. I, I don't want to call it bad money, but you know, longer term I, contracts. I, I think I read. I think I read somewhere that they said they've actually come out and said that they would take bad money back. Yeah, but they want. But then longer. But here, but here's you know, my more assets here's my point. to take that back. But here's my point. Okay, I, I know what the optics. I know what the optics are. I, I read the the stupid Draymond Green comments back. You know when when the whole Drummond decision went down. But it sounds like to me from other things I've read that it was as much Drummond saying, Hey, you know what? If I'm not gonna be here, then I don't wanna I don't want I don't wanna take the chance of getting injured. So it sounded like kind of a mutual thing that they yeah. decided to say, All right, well we're not gonna play you, you're not gonna play, let's see what we can work out a deal for you. But if they well here's can't the do crazy that, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, no, I was gonna say, if they can't if they can't do that, I mean that's an awful lot of money to eat on a buyout. I mean, that's what twenty eight yeah. and a half million dollars. So yeah, if, I mean, it would be the prorated portion of that, but it would still probably be you know about eighteen million. <laughs> yeah. So I guess my point is like he's still an expiring deal that you could use as a as a as a way to fit you know a, a, as a trade chip in the summertime, right? I mean, as a sign and trade, yeah. A sign of trade, right? I mean, that's still yeah. more valuable than just buying a guy out and letting him go join the Lakers or in the Nets or something like that, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's two ways of looking at it like that. One of the things that's the, the strangest thing about all this is the guy has been an absolute, like, he's sitting there joking with his teammates on the sideline against Toronto. Like, he's yeah. still showing up on the bench, supporting his teammates. He was photobombing Colin Sexton after the game <laughs> on yeah. the uh, post-game interview. I mean, it's it's not like, you know, he seems like a guy that's terrible to play with on the court. 
yet a delight off the court, which is is right. a really odd dichotomy right, that I'm not I've, sure I've, I've ever I've, seen before. I've heard he's a pretty affable guy, but yeah, I guess that. But but it's from a business standpoint. Like, look, you got him for nothing last year. Yeah, and all you had to do was take on this massive salary. Yeah, and, and if you buy him out, what are you saying? To, saving the cost were, of a minimum salary, probably. Yeah, I mean, seriously, like, what? What do you? I mean, honestly, if no one trades for him, I would have another conversation and say, "All right, well, you want to you want to keep playing then because we're not going to buy you out. So we're not going to we're not going to pay you eighteen million dollars to go go win a championship with the Lakers or the Nets." So. You know, yeah, I mean, I think that's a very interesting conversation. And maybe he maybe they say, hey, you want to get bought out? You got to give up more money. Um, Sure. And of course, and that's the uh, that's the conversation I've heard about Kevin Love is, you know, maybe Kevin Love gives up ten million dollars to go play with another team because things aren't working out with the Cavs. But yeah, I'm, although, I'm with you Although there. I don't feel like, see, I think there are two different situations. Oh, because, I'm, I'm not arguing with that at all. Yeah, no, but just, I mean, just, just where Drummond's at in his career. I mean, Drummond's still this side of 30. He's still, you know, even though big men are, you know, somewhat big, big back to the basket, sort of big men, like, like Drummond or, although he, thinks he's a point guard still which is where he gets himself <laughs> into trouble but but still you know what i mean like he's a he's a tradi- more traditional big man that that you know his place in the game is is not what it once was so no one's paying him 28 million dollars next year i would be shocked if he got half that to you know in a contract you know going forward with somebody so he seems to me destined to be a guy who plays on a probably a series of like one and two year deals, you know, and, and maybe gets, maybe gets into the right situation. And yeah, you cause know, he's not Hassan Whiteside. A... No, he's better, <laughs> we he's, saw he's better than Hassan Whiteside. I mean, <laughs> Hassan Whiteside is that, that rare guy who like, there's a reason why he kicked around in the, in the G league for, for years or whatever they yeah. called it then. And then, you know, he got lightning in the bottle for a year or two, and then he went back to being kind of that subpar no, player knucklehead. That he was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the play but, tonight where the ball was going out of bounds, and he's like, I oh, got to pad my rebounding stats. And he, he decided he was going to save it back in and then stepped on the baseline. <laughs> yeah. That was like, no, that man, is that's... just, that is Hassan Whiteside's career in a nutshell. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I imagine Hassan Whiteside will be playing in China or something in another year or two. But Oh, yeah. Him, um, him and Isaiah Thomas forming oh, yeah. forming the uh, the core of the the Guangdong Ducks or whatever. Yeah, exactly. No, but I don't know. I, I just Andre Drummond still has value to the right team, but he's not yeah. he's not a twenty million dollar a year value. He's a. He's probably a he's probably a ten to twelve million dollar a year player, and it's again it's probably short short term deals for teams that are just looking for a you know looking maybe even for a big man off the bench somebody coming and just grab instant rebounds you know kind yeah. of what's happened with with Tristan in Boston now yeah so. now and to me that's the reason why I think he probably does get moved um, 
because there are all these teams and now that the Lakers have the LeBron injury on top of the Anthony Davis injury, I I think there are a lot of teams that are probably suddenly saying, hey, we might have a shot here, you know, because maybe if Although, the Lakers make it. Who, but who takes on that salary? Well, for I. A- for yeah, a, there's like a two month rental. Like I know I saw some stories about Dallas maybe doing it, but even that's my like. Is Dallas anywhere close to being good enough to, you know, to to? I think when you've that? got a player as good as Luka Doncic, you you're always good enough if if things start breaking right for you. You know, guess, the other but... side of that, there's there's teams like, um, uh, the Knicks. The uh, the Celtics, I think he would make all the sense in the world for the Celtics. The Celtics, you know, their biggest problem is they don't have great center play. Um, right. And, yeah, they have an offense that is way too ISO heavy and, you know, can go through real dry spells. But, you know, Daniel maybe Tice. There's a, maybe there's a three-way deal where the Cavs send Drummond to Boston and Boston sends Tristan to Toronto and Toronto sends Kyle Lowry to Philly and Philly sends some, I don't know, like Firkin Corkmaz or something like that. <laughs> no, to, I think, I think Cavs. there's definitely possibilities of three way deals. I mean, I saw, I pitched a deal where, uh, you know, Chicago gives up, uh, Otto Porter, and then Otto Porter goes to the Cavs, and then Andre Drummond goes to the Celtics through Boston. So, I mean, th- there's or the other way around, but I mean, there's ways to do it, but it's going to be weird. But just my gut tells me there's a more than fifty percent chance Andre Drummond actually gets moved. I don't know, man. I I I, I want to believe you, but I I also feel like. You know, but the I, I just think that the whole buyout market is sort of silly too. Like, I just well, that is also true. Why, why you would why you would pay somebody to you know go play for somebody else, and I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really help you in any way, shape, or form because the money's yeah. still on the on the books for the rest of the year, anyways. Uh, how, matter, and like, how much more money does Dan Gilbert need? I was arguing with somebody today. He's like literally fifty billion dollars richer than he was a few years ago. Yeah, um, but I guess I guess that was just the tip of the iceberg for me. It's like, uh, like it's funny. Like so many more teams are interested in in Javale McGee, but like yeah. he's the kind of guy you want to keep around to be a good influence on the team. Which, I which mean, is he's actually making an impact. Which is such a great way to segue back to this game of. Right. JaVale McGee, like, at the beginning of the season, would you have in a million years thought that JaVale McGee would be the heart and soul of the Cavs bench? No. no. I mean, it's just, he's amazing. <laughs> he's... Well, I mean, you know, because it's, it's funny, like, you know, I you remember, you know, early days when he, when he was the, you know, the shacked in a full poster boy with the Wizards, you know, and... Yeah. And, uh... He's come, you know. A, he he he's still out jumping guys that are, you know, ten years younger than him. He's yeah. He's, I, uh, he amazes me his athleticism. Like yeah. I mean, look, he, he had eighteen points in nineteen minutes tonight with nine rebounds. 
Yeah, and three assists. They're literally running their offense blocks. through him off the bench. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I, and he was, I mean, did and you see that lead pass he had to too. Garland? Oh, no. yeah, it was nice. Really I nice. mean, he's had... I mean, he obviously does that too much and, you know, still had three turnovers to go along with that. And then, of course, we all cringed when the Cavs bench run was basically ended by JaVale McGee yeah. <laughs> when they're rolling. And then he decides, but hey, he had no choice. No, no one, no one yeah. else was making themselves available. I'll, I'm you with know, you. I mean, <laughs> so you know, he took like at a, least he was doing something. <laughs> you know, to summarize for those who didn't watch the game, he took a top of the key three that <laughs> did it airball or did it brick so hard it just ignited the break for the king? Yeah, I think it was the brick. It was only 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 Jetty seems to airball threes. Yeah, wildly. It was the you know when danger, I danger planes from Cleveland Hopkins. <laughs> yeah, uh, three point shot, and then it led to a wide open Tyrese Halliburton three that pretty much like it was a six point swing. It was like, oh, I guess that's the end of the run because <laughs> right. I think it, the Cavs had cut it to ten, and then it was kind of all of a sudden yeah. back to thirteen. But still, well, and they cut it to ten because they put they put in McGee and Lee Stevens and I mean, give I mean give Chetty credit like he can't shoot but he but you mean he, Lamar he Stevens still plays some, no no uh, is it Lamar Stevens not Lee it is, Stevens it is Lamar Stevens oh Lee Stevens is a baseball player that's right <laughs> Lamar Stevens sorry it's okay I was impressed by Lamar Stevens oh I, he I, I, had, I had not seen him play. And he's was, had some fantastic games. He played great in the last two games. He played really well against Toronto. He was phenomenal against uh so against San Antonio. I kind of wrote about it in that that big long write up I did oh, yeah. on Sunday. But he was great in the press and at the end of that game and he's a really good defensive player. Uh you know, a guy who can score out of the po- post in the half court. You know, his biggest problem is is his offensive game doesn't really match outside of transition what right. teams are looking for in the NBA right now from a 3-4 player. But, you know, he's a really fun player, and he, I mean, he defends his butt off. And he can, oh, my gosh. Yeah he, yeah, he was all over the court when I, tonight when you watch him. I mean, he made the most of his 13 minutes, but, like. Like I'm, I'm confused. Like I thought Jared Allen was having some good games, but I sort of looked up the last, the last year. I guess it was decent against Toronto, but like he said, some like just feels like are, are they just is he just being double teamed? Are they not really looking for him? Like so, it's it's a two, it's a two, it's a coupleful thing. When he has not been the same player after the All Star break. I mean, hmm. I I was not exaggerating when I said it. It really felt like he spent the All Star break on the couch. Because he just has not looked like the same player. And he was just absolutely dominant before the All-Star game and, you know, he playing was, yeah. above yeah. the rim consistently. Um, and he just doesn't seem to have that same explosiveness. Maybe he's nursing an injury. Uh, I will say the other side of it is the Cavs really have a hard time getting the ball, him the ball consistently. And maybe that's an issue with the Cavs playing guys who can't spread the floor. Um, it's hard when you, when you, you're only six feet tall and you can't really see over the, well, that, that is also true. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that is totally true. And why is, why is Damian Dotson up? Well, so I think Damian, Damian Dotson was really slumping for a while, basically had one good game in five. 
Um, mm. And that's part of the reason they brought in Quinn Cook, because they really didn't have a solution at backup point guard. They had tried Damian Dotson there. You know, it worked some nights, but more often than not, it didn't. And then, of course, you know, Dylan Windler, they kind of don't know what to do with him. They tried. I don't think Dylan Windler must know what to do with Dylan Windler. Let's. Well, that, that's also true. Um, but, you know, really, Chetty Osman was the de facto backup point guard for a while. The problem with Chetty Osman is he does everything well but shoot right now. <laughs> like, he can't hit the broadside of a barn. Um, yeah. You know, when when he's playing well, he's shooting 33% from the field. And when he's playing badly, he's shooting like 10%. So... You know, they brutal. they brought in Quinn Cook to basically, okay, let's try this guy. And it's funny, I made fun of Quinn Cook today, and, you know, I call him Quinn Cooked uh, with yeah. an ED at the end, or or what did I say? What was the other one? Quinn Cucked. And, yeah. uh, but he still led the team in plus minus. He was still plus 16 for the game. Uh, he does seem to know how to get the ball to JaVale McGee in spots to kind of start a good offensive action. And, you know, the rest of the Cavs off the bench are playing well enough that, that that's good enough. But, you know, like you said, Dylan Wendler really doesn't seem to know where he's supposed to be or what he's supposed to do. And I think part what? of that is, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I just, I kind of, I mean, it's hard not to blame the coaching, right? I mean. Oh, I'm I'm with you. You know, I mean, I guess he he didn't really have a, uh, he didn't really have a rookie season because of the No, this is his rookie but, year, yeah. Yeah, but he just, I don't know if it's, I mean, I, I just haven't seen enough of him play, obviously, because, you know, it's been a, been a while since I've seen them. But, I mean, it doesn't, from the things I read, it doesn't sound like he's figuring it out too well. Well, he's he's super streaky. I mean, he had that stretch of two games where he hit nine straight threes, and then before that and after that, he kind of couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. I think his his confidence waxes and wanes, and they don't run a lot of actions, you know, off the ball that makes sense for a guy of his skill right. set. Well, um, and defensively, they really shouldn't put him on smaller players. <laughs> like <laughs> like what happened tonight, man. Oh, I missed the he play. Like so was a, there a particular waving a, play? Waving a red cape in front of De'Aaron Fox. So. Oh well, yeah, and De'Aaron Fox is good enough to make you look silly, for the most part. Um, he he's a guy that it feels like his role fluctuates so much. It's it's kind of messing with his confidence. Um, mm. and, and I think you're seeing a lot of the frustrations that JB Bickerstaff had in his other. Uh, stents, you know, with the Grizzlies, and I can't remember the other team that he coached for. Uh, it might have been Houston. Um, he just his the knock on him is his offenses are too simplistic. He basically tries to you know get everything out of the guys playing hard on defense and getting in transition, but the NBA is is too tough. That sounds to a just, lot like Ty Lue. Yeah. Well, no, I will say one thing that he's Tyloo is a million times better than him. Um, you know, JB Bickerstaff's out of bounds plays are consistently terrible. 
you know, they have the they have a problem all the time getting the ball in at the ends of games. His he basically has two sideline out of bounds plays that he calls the entire year. I mean, I would say that was one thing everybody no one would say Ty Lue was bad at out of bounds plays. Like he always seemed to be able to pull one out of his sleeve. You know. That's a good point. Uh but, you know, sustained half court offense, yeah, maybe maybe not Ty Lue's forte and you you might be seeing it a little bit right now with the with the Clippers, but yeah. but yeah, I mean, and and but the Cavs have a lot of intriguing young players. You know, I wrote about Broderick Thomas a little bit. Um, I do think Damian Dotson's pretty much on the outs, and I would be surprised to see him back in a Cavs uniform next year. Um, I certainly think right. he would be in any trade conversation just from an expiring contract standpoint but because it is me, a team option for next year but i was gonna say let me it's uh, kind of where i really wanted to go with this um you know and it's a good segue into that which yeah. is well well let me just okay. wrap up all these oh, guys yeah, off sorry. the Cavs bench did have a really good night tonight i mean the bench absolutely outplayed the starters sure, um for sure and that you know the Cavs did have some some good players off the bench so you know and they play outplayed the king's bench so what were you going to say? No, I, I guess, you know, we, we sort of talked a little bit about the, you know, Drummond and, you know, McGee and, you know, um, I mean, I know uh, Jetty's been on the trade block as well. Um, but but when you think of it, look at it, then you say, okay, well, well, what's the core of this team, right? I mean, no one seems to want to move Nance Jr. And they shouldn't. I mean, he's a good player, but... Although he is what he's twenty seven, twenty eight now, so mm-hmm. um, you know you have to sort of ask yourself, like, well, well, if teams are so hot to get him, like, you know, is is he somebody who's going to be around in a couple of years? Um, you know, as the sort of veteran on the team, you know, to try to really lead these young guys, but um, you know, can you can you really justify? I mean, I don't know. Can you? Can you max Sexton? Because he's probably going to want it, right? Yeah, I think that's the biggest, like you were saying, the biggest question the Cavs have to answer. If it were me, I would not max him. I don't think he is a guy. I think his game at 6'1", just, you know, I've been saying it for two or three years, it doesn't really work. Um, He's not a guy that makes his teammates better. He goes on long stretches where he Kind of seven hero assists ball. tonight, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, it, I mean, look, I, yeah. I'm with you. Like, he still has a bad habit of dribbling into into like three and four players, and and he's very he's very much a straight line player. Like, yeah, everything he shoots seems to be a you know from the from the <laughs> from the three point line in. It's just kind of a straight line. He just sort of like you know either pulls up for the three or he dribbles it straight ahead and tries for that mid range J yeah. or he, I don't think I've ever the... seen him take a Euro step. <laughs> no, but that's just, it. he's a very straight line player and that's, yeah. that's fine. But like that's, that's, that is a bit limiting when you're trying to create because you're easy, you're easy to defend if, if that's your game. So, and that's typically what happens. He winds up getting, losing his dribble or, um, getting blocked or, you know, I mean, I mean, um, Rishon Holmes had a pretty nice chase down block on him tonight, which. Oh, he did. Yeah. Um, that was a nice play. 
not really Sexton's fault. I mean, he's pretty quick. So, yeah, but, but Sexton I guess still I, gets a shot block. I mean, I would oh, be shocked yeah. if he wasn't still among the lead leaders. I'm sure, but you know, but again, he's become a good scorer, both inside and outside. I mean, he he shoots the three ball really well, and you know, he seems like he's work. He and he works hard. I mean, he's a gym he's a gym rat. You know, and he, you know, he he really busts his tail, and he's really the only Cavs. He's the only guy the Cavs have that that seems like he could you you know he can go off for twenty thirty points a night. You know. Everybody else feels like, you know, varying degrees of that. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't – when I look at him, I, I, I don't see a max player. I see a nice, you know, a nice scoring threat, a guy who, you know, is probably best suited as a, you know, either an off-ball scorer or the, you know – With a big guard. The, the, yeah. Yeah, or, the, or a super sub off the bench. I mean, you know, somebody who – I mean, it's funny, like, you know, is he, is he Jordan Clarkson or is he, you know, or is he, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that's, you know, there, there's been like a the, short, like a short version of Donovan Mitchell. You know, well, actually like, Donovan Mitchell and he are the Donovan Mitchell's actually shorter than him. Is he really? Donovan oh. Mitchell is only six feet, but he's built like a tank. Um, and right. he has really long arms. And I, I would say, you know, Donovan Mitchell probably is longer than Colin Sexton, but not taller, which is kind of a weird. Um, but yeah, officially Mitchell's only listed at six feet. Hmm. So okay, I'm, I'm, now I got to look that up to confirm that. But the the funny thing is, um, and Adam Carthcart did a really good job of. No, I guess he's six one, so they're the same height. But you know. Hmm. Comparison still still applies. Adam Carthcart did a really nice job on the last pod kind of describing the problem is that the Cavs marketing of Colin Sexton kind of doesn't match the Cavs, uh, you know, his impact as a player. And mm. that that's fine. But when he's you're marketing him as the face of your franchise and kind of the quote unquote future for the last three years and you, you know, you've treated him as such, well, he's going to want to get paid for that. And does it really help the Cavs long-term if a guy that is fairly one-dimensional is getting that, uh, is getting that treatment? Um, you know, yeah. and it's going to be, like you said, a weird off season because not only is Colin Sexton due for a contract extension, but, um, Jared Allen's a restricted free agent, so they may be doling out two hundred plus million dollars worth of you know long term extensions this off right. and new contracts this off season. Yeah, and you kind of have to, you really have to be sure that the that that's your. I mean, look, I, I'm a big Jared Allen believer. I think if Jared Jared Allen's used properly with you know with the right you know the right. Uh, facilitators getting him the ball that know how to get him the ball. Like, I think, you know, I think he's definitely a, <clears throat> a the kind of big man you can, you know, that you can really build around, especially a front line of, you know, him, Nance, and that, you know, you, it's funny, the, the kind of the perfect guy would be a, a healthy Kevin Love, but, you know, Kevin right. Love is never healthy. So that's why Dean Wade looks so good next to those guys, because, you know, Dean Wade is a 
you know, <laughs> sort of poor, <laughs> ma- poor man version of what of what <laughs> Kevin Kevin used to be. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I think I think one of the things the Cavs might want to look at is, you know, starting Dean Wade um instead of Larry Nance or Isaac Okoro and kind of see what that gets you. Um right. I I think that would be worth a look because I I don't think those other two guys are giving you enough offense or are no. willing enough shooters, you know. <laughs> And and I saw some great yeah. moments from from Dean Wade tonight, but you know if it's me, I don't extend Colin or I don't give Colin Sexton a contract extension. I basically you know make him bet on himself and earn a so big contract, or just let him get to restricted free agency the next you know. Right. Um, and, and there's some PR problems there, and there's probably a managing the relationship problems. But I also think it's, you know, if the right offer were to come along next year, it would be easier to move him with that because he's mm-hmm. not in a poison pill contract standpoint. I think it gives you another year to evaluate the situation. I mean, to me, part of the issue is I don't think long term a starting backcourt of Sexton and Garland ever makes sense. And you can compare it to, you know, Damian Lillard and C.J. McConnell if you want. But C.J. McConnell is still two inches taller than those guys. And neither of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. And neither of those guys are Damian Lillard. I mean, Damian Lillard is an absolutely special player that is is doing things that literally nobody in the history of the NBA, except maybe Steph Curry, has ever done in terms of his his long distance shooting. I mean, look, it may be too, it may be too early, but I, I, I'm not a big Garland thing. Yeah. I don't think he, he's, I mean, he feels like Jeff Teague to me. Like he feels like, uh, you know, like, like a guy who, you know, I mean, he's, he's so reliant on his, on his mid, you know, his, his mid range floater shots. You know, I just think he gets lost in it. Yeah, I I think he's a much better passer than Teague is. Uh, I think he has an opportunity to be a special passer and a special point guard. Um, I I question whether that can happen in this offense. But Mm. uh, I don't think you've watched him as much as the rest of us have this year. And I'm not saying as a knock on you, just... I, t- tonight was definitely not his best game. He struggled tonight, but he's had some brilliant games this year. And, you know, from a long-term potential standpoint, I like him immensely more than Colin Sexton, mainly because he's a more willing shooter, more willing passer, and a better off-ball defender. I mean, he's just has better vision on both ends of the court. So if you were gonna if you were gonna build around guys, you would but you would build around Garland, Allen, and Nance, and um, maybe Okoro, and maybe Okoro. Yeah, I mean, I like Sex, and I just don't think he's worth a max contract. Is the right. problem, and I I don't. You can't build a no, team it's, it's around. Hard to, it's a hard to just. It's hard, yeah. honestly, it's hard to justify it. I mean, yeah, he's a score. He's a scorer. He's a primary but, scorer who's six one. Yeah, you know. And, and, and you can be and you can be that, but I don't know that you can be a primary scorer who's a straight line scorer. Who's yeah, scorer. who doesn't really do anything else, right? You no, know, I mean he doesn't that's, rebound. that's why. Look, yeah. Jordan Clarkson works really well for the Jazz because that's all they ask him to do. Right. They Plus, he's six to... five. Well, yeah, and you know he he can yeah. get his shot off against 
players that Colin Sexton can't. <laughs> right. You know, it it's and he's not Dana Barros where he's one of these guys that can just absolutely shoot from you know thirty feet consistently. He's more of a catch and shoot shooter. Right. So he does. It yeah. feels like to me. If if he wants to be that max contract guy, you've got to say in the offseason, you need to develop your game. You gotta get more wiggle. You gotta increase your range. You've got to increase your ability to shoot off the dribble effectively. And but but I also feel like, you know, long term the Cavs need a coach that's gonna bring some diversity and, you know, sustainability to the offense because you cannot build an offense like the Cavs have around elbow runners, <laughs> which they've done no, that too many times. Definitely this feels like their bread and butter. I mean that they, yeah, they get in a, this sort of panic mode and, and just start jacking up, you know, jacking up these, you know? Yeah. And especially when they're mentally tired and when they get go on these long road trips, I mean, what was it Chris K said on the live thread tonight? How do you in today's NBA only shoot four three pointers and a half? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Against a team that's playing abysmal defense. <laughs> you know. True. Well, well, especially after you had such a good display in the Toronto game yeah. the night before. And and I will say one thing that just drives me absolutely batty is and Colin Sexton's terrible about it, is finding shooters in transition. At from at the three point line, the Cavs are yeah. awful at it. Like you see guys well, coming down I don't on know, the break awful and awful at it. They just don't even they just don't even try. Yeah, I mean, it's like, are they even coached to do it? You see them coming down on the break, guys fan out to the three point line, then nobody ever passes to them, even though they don't really have anybody in ten feet. And it's like, yeah, yeah. There's too many guys that are too hesitant to shoot, and then too many guys that are too hesitant to make that pass. It's yeah. it's interesting, and it leads to bad floor balance too. When you see these guys take these drives, and then you know Colin Sexton had a drive where it looked like he got fouled and he didn't, and then the whole team's playing four on five on the other end of the court. <laughs> yeah. So. No, it's true. It's um, yeah, it's a problem, and and uh, I I get it. It's back to back. I get it. It's the last you know game, but um, you know the home stand. And you know it doesn't get easier. They 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 go on the road to the Bulls, who've been actually pretty decent this year. And yeah, and um, you know, and then then you go on the West Coast swing. I mean, you know, this this could very well be the kind of the proverbial nail in in terms of like where they say, all right, well, you know, it's time to start thinking about draft picks. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I mean. This is this is a brutal brutal road trip coming up. I I think they got uh next thing they play the Bulls on Wednesday, then they have a Friday Saturday back to back in with the Lake at the Lakers at the Kings. Right. Which funnily enough, both those games are winnable now that LeBron James is out. Um and but then they play the Jazz on Monday, which, you know, the Jazz killed them. Then they play the Sixers on with Oof, another back I'm looking at now. on Tuesday. Yeah. And then yeah. at Miami, at San Antonio, at OKC, Toronto, they're gonna want revenge. Yeah, I don't I don't know, man. Like maybe the yeah. Charlotte game on <laughs> like April fourteenth, like now that now that uh, Lamelo's broken his wrist, I guess. Yeah, well and the funny thing is is they don't shoot very well on the road either. So they they're a worse shooting team on the road. 
which to me is really funny in a in a NBA season where there's basically yeah. a negligible uh you know well, crowd factor. They should beat they should beat the Sixers on on April Fool's Day though, right? I mean <laughs> They've well, had they, the Sixers number this year anyways, and yeah. why not if it's going to be a day April Fool's? Good. <laughs> yeah, good I mean, many. and honestly, the Lakers and Kings games are winnable. The Bulls game's winnable. They just they just got to play well. So I, But if it starts to snowball, it's going to get bad. Um, and yeah. to me, it's not the worst thing in the world because, I, you know, I really think if you ask Kobe Altman without the cameras on, if he wanted the Cavs to be really bad or be a playoff team this year, he'd much rather they be really bad, but show some signs well, it's of a good, growth. It's a good year to be bad if you're going to yeah. do it, because that's, it's probably the most stacked draft probably since the Anthony Davis draft, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe even more so because they they feel like there are, you know, four or five just can't miss guys at the top of the draft. And right. the last time we really saw something like that, it's it's been a while. Um, yeah. So well, I'm. I mean, nice. But I'm excited nice to watch him play. To get a wing. It'd be nice to get a wing who could shoot. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to watch him play. I'd love to see more Broderick Thomas. You know, I kind of hope that they do make some moves at the trade deadline that kind of clear out some playing time um i, I do think know. they'll make I don't some know moves they're gonna do that but yeah. well that that yeah you gotta I, find a taker first <laughs> yeah i i mean i think there's definitely would be a market for javel mcgee but it's oh, funny because you always overvalue your own players yeah. too but i mean it, honestly what do you get what do you get for javel at best yeah second round pick a, a conditional second round pick like yeah and like, then the other side of it is well why don't you just keep them and bring him back next year and you know if he's been so positive for this team you know why don't you let him stick around <laughs> right so i don't know because he's already got he's already got what four rings from his time with the with the warriors and the lakers yeah that's true um at least three i can't remember yeah that's interesting i don't know how many years he played with the warriors i think well, he, i gotta look I this up he, yeah i think he, i think i'm pretty sure he's got at least at least three. I know for sure he has two, and I think he's got three. Yeah, not now I definitely have to look it up. So he played two seasons with Golden State, 16-17 and 17-18, and then three seasons with the La- two seasons with the Lakers. So he has three rings. Right. Still, I mean like you oh, if you, you three more than I got. <laughs> well, I'm saying he he's sort of done the ring chasing part of his career. Yeah. I mean why not? Why not? You know, if you like the situation, you know, I mean, he's a positive impact player, but I mean, it just depends on what you get back for a guy, right? Like, well, what and is his and value the other thing versus... that's really interesting about him is he's kind of defied the age curve for a center. His biggest scoring year and his most efficient year was when he was 31 with the Lakers. I mean, yeah. obviously, playing with LeBron James will do yeah, that. Yeah, that's for always going to pad your stats and Yeah, but I mean, you know, you and I both noted his athleticism for 33. I've never seen a 33 that's as explosive as JaVale McGee, except maybe LeBron oh, yeah. James. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know? he's absolutely no. He's kept himself in good shape, and he's, you know, he's he's definitely, um, you know, he's definitely rounded into a, a good player mentally too. 
<laughs> Ironically, um, the team that could really use him is the Lakers. No, they really could too, and I'm sure they're yeah. regretting giving him up. Like, I mean, it was one thing to give up on Dwight Howard, but well, I think uh, the reason they gave him up they got is because Javale too. Well, they What's were hard capped, right? And that that they literally couldn't sign people because they were so close to the cap. So it, it was That's a good point. It was a difficult situation for them, but now they, you know kind of have similar issues i it'll be interesting to see i mean is there so i know you haven't probably followed the nba too much at all is there anybody that you just absolutely expect to see get moved at the trade deadline coming up Um, or are you just too far away from it no i I, the one name that i assumed would get moved is um oladipo yeah i'm with you i think he's like there's no way houston keeps him to me. No, especially because they're like, I mean, where they've lost 20 games straight or something yeah. crazy like that. And, and I mean, he's expressed just, zero just, interest in being there. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure. He's, he hasn't been the same guy since he got injured. But No. Um, if he was half but, as good as he thinks he is, he'd be amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But I feel like he'll probably get moved. I feel like um feels like Orlando's finally breaking up that that. Vucevic and Gordon and Fournier, yeah. I, I mean, at least yeah. one of those guys is going to go, and I wouldn't be surprised to see two of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to either. I mean, Lowry should go somewhere, but I, I just don't. That's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't really. I mean, that's sort of the extent of it. That's just what I've seen, like on the, on the uh, either the Shams page or the Watch page. But, yeah, I mean, it's. It yeah, seems, I don't seems think more quiet. Seems more quiet than than it has been in years past. And I think a lot of that probably just due to the COVID impact of, of everything. Yeah, what too, a weird you know? season it is. Yeah, I mean, just just I mean, it's just log jams all the way through the the um, the standings. It just doesn't feel like there's a team that, especially now with LeBron hurt, doesn't feel like there's a team that that really you know is sort of dominant i guess yeah i mean i think miami's gonna make moves i absolutely a lot of people have you know rumored oladipo there um mm. uh they certainly Although, have guys they could move i i don't know what assets they have because they pretty much yeah i don't know up, I, I don't know i mean do, do they i mean i haven't watched the heat game all year i mean i mean obviously they got jimmy butler back and well the be... game i watched him play against the Cavs. They look like the the team that was in the. Right. I mean, they are really rounding into form, and and Jimmy. I mean, Butler, is Tyler is Tyler Harrow uh, healthy or? Uh, he is. He's playing okay. Duncan Robinson's playing okay, but Bam Adebayo is ridiculously good, oh, yeah. and um, you know, Kelly Olynyk still does super annoying Kelly Olynyk things, but they help you win ball games, um, and you know. Duncan Robinson and Tyler Harrow and and Kendrick Nunn can all put the ball in the basket when you leave them open, and they still got Dragic, who's kind of coasting towards the uh, postseason anyway. Um, right. But Jimmy Butler, like he's got arms like Carl Malone now. Like yeah. that guy is so ridiculously strong. I don't know if I've ever seen a player that size that strong. <laughs> I mean, he just he's just built. Different. I mean, he's he's Carl Malone in a as a guard. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, it's so crazy. do you think are are they kind of your favorite for the East or? <sighs> um, no, I think 
I mean, if you had to pick a favorite, honestly, at this point, it's probably the Nets. But, you know, their own internal Even dynamics. Even with no defense? <laughs> well, their own internal dynamics are going to, you know, be the determiner of how far they get. Um, right. I, I think Philly's game, much like Daryl Morris Houston teams, will fall apart a little bit in the playoffs because they're so dependent on flopping. Um, right. It's and Milwaukee's annoying. got Coach Bud until they yeah until they realize that he's not a yeah um, he can't win in the playoffs then yeah no be, honestly yeah. my my favorite for the NBA championship right now is the Jazz I think they're the best team playing right now and do so you think you're going for Jazz Heat or Jazz Nets uh I think Jazz Nets probably and then the and had the Jazz win like a one thirty to one twenty seven finals victory to, to close it out. So um, I got to ask this. I got to ask this question because I haven't been tracking it, but but yeah. I got a little excited the other day when I heard rumors about this. Is Brad Stevens the the uh, the <laughs> ge- the genius going back to the college ranks? No, he's not. Uh, Oh, it, it, it was funny because everybody was saying that, and then the guy who tweeted it basically didn't tweet out anything else for two days. And um, <laughs> I don't think I would be shocked if that happened because Brad Stevens could go get another job in the NBA tomorrow. I mean, if Boston yeah. didn't want to pay him, I'm anymore. gonna I'm gonna say something that that I've said for pretty much forever. And that is Brad Stevens has won zero things in the NBA. <laughs> and Brad until Brad Stevens wins something, I will not be convinced that President Brad Stevens is a basketball genius. So. Oh, I'm I'm with you. I mean, to me, uh Nick Nurse is the player that everybody said Brad Ste- or the coach everyone said Brad Stevens was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean Look, he, Danny Ainge is Danny Ainge is a fraud. Oh my God, Danny Ainge Brad's, is a bigger fraud than anybody. Has absolutely. ever anybody ha- ever turned more draft capital into more mediocre into basketball nothing. players than into Danny nothing. Ainge? Well, and yeah. that kind of like goes to what's going on in Houston and Oklahoma City right now. It's like some I read something they've got like twenty eight draft picks in the next five years or something like that and <laughs> like what, what What are you going to do with that yeah i mean they're literally start, going maybe they'll to start s- another team this is oklahoma city's plan they're gonna actually they're gonna actually give back to seattle and just give them all these draft <laughs> picks to start a whole brand new team no i mean i think you're literally gonna see what philly did where they're going to have a major source of their team revenue is just going to be selling draft picks at the draft. <laughs> well, because you can, maybe you the can, Cavs can be takers. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know, uh, Dan Gilbert has a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. You know, there, there reaches a certain point where you can only draft so many players. Like, you can only develop so many players in a given year. <laughs> true. That's true. Especially when you're just getting owned by, you know, guys that are actually, and that's the thing that drives me nuts. Did you hear the story about the uh, Rockets today, where they were talking about how they have their front office staff are doing like arena duties in the evening during COVID? No. 
Uh, no. Yeah, they like paying them to shine shoes and what? run concession stands and stuff like that. That's weird. <laughs> because they're so damn cheap. And I'm like, oh my God. It's like, at one point, did we become tired of these NBA teams that are being run like financial entities instead of, you know, actually presenting an entertaining basketball product? You know, that is something that that I mean. Look, say what you want about Dan Gilbert; he's always oh, I'm with entertaining you. product on the floor, <laughs> and and continues to. Like I watched the pregame show tonight because you can do that on the the NBA app and oh, and the league. I'm pass, like, yeah. who is? I was like, who is this for? I mean, this is <laughs> this is still like this sort of elaborate, you know, yeah. opening. Well, they had like, Red Panda at halftime. I know. I saw. <laughs> I got to see the whole thing. Oh yeah, I it's... saw that, and, and like Moondog didn't drop the balls at the end, which I was <laughs> surprised about. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, that that is one thing you are absolutely right. Uh, the Cavs have always, I mean, aside from the night they had empty boxes on all the, uh, <laughs> the chairs, yeah, which was a bad metaphor, but other That's than true. that, they they they've they've done a pretty good job of consistently trying to put a good product on the floor. And, you know, there's other teams like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Pacers, you know, are yeah. consistently try to win uh, the Spurs. I was super impressed with the Spurs the other night. Um, well, Pop just keeps doing it, right? I mean, he oh just my keeps gosh. Just plugging guys into. Oh, and you, you miss. Know. So did you, have you seen Pop? Did you yeah, see a little bit? Oh my god. So did you see the the tweet I put and I posted it in the game thread. You probably didn't see it. But it was mm-hmm. basically the the I can't remember what the character's name is from Mad Max Fury Road <laughs> with the white hair and the mask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it was That's like funny. basically that. I mean I was like I I did not think I would see hippie um you know post apocalypse Greg Popovich, but that's what we're getting. Post a post a popalyptic. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, that was bad. No, it was great. I I love dad jokes, so I'm I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be an interesting season. The West is, like you noted, infinitely better than the East. Like, how good would Memphis be in the East right now? Like Memphis. Oh my gosh, they yeah. they'd probably be a seventh seed. <laughs> And they're right at the end of the playoffs. By the way, Sacramento would be right in the mix of of things in the 8, 9, 10. Yeah, you're right. They would be. I mean, and and New Orleans. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting with the Cavs being, you know, kind of 16 and 27. They're still, you know, about five or six teams worse than them. And you're like, oh, that's. And and one of them is actually trying to win Washington. <laughs> well, and I don't know why, because I mean that's just a train wreck of it. So. It is, but Bradley Beal is really, really good. <laughs> oh yeah, Brad Brad Beal is, but like I don't know why Washington's not trying to get everything they possibly can. Like they should go and get a bunch of those draft picks that you know Houston or or OKC has because. They're, they're, they're never so, going to be good. So three teams can it, have like, all Brad the draft Beal, picks. Brad Beal's a really nice player. Brad Beal's too old to build around now. Like you need to like cut bait at a certain point and try to get everything you can for him rather than, you know, make a ridiculous deal that you're never going to be able to unload. I I would say that if 
I I think if they don't end up with like a top five pick in this draft, they they may end up trading Brad Beal for that reason alone. You know what I mean? Right. Like this draft's so good. If they got lucky and got another player, it it, it could actually work out. But right, but like other like than Russ that, is no Russ is no slouch. But you know, yeah. Well, except when he is, <laughs> is the problem. <laughs> You know, he's a real hit or miss player. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting score. He could still, but he could still throw up a a triple double without trying and score 50 if he wants. Like, he's still that guy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be an interesting rest of the season um, for sure. I hope the Cavs Cavs figure it out. I don't know that there are any easy answers. You know, it's going to be, it's really going to be interesting to see what they do with Sexton, what they can do with Sexton without hamstringing themselves for years to come which or, or alienating kind of the relationship the of doing well they've already been in the business of doing it with kevin love and you yeah. know this whole drummond situation it's like they have uh, how are they not hard capped by the way with this <laughs> massive salaries that they've taken on uh, well the, the, so who are the big sa- but the big salaries are really only love and drummond and then everybody else i mean larry nance only makes only 11 11 million who yeah, is a bargain so. for that. And, you know, Chetty Osman makes about that. And it's, you know, other than that, everybody's kind of on a rookie deal. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I mean, the, the love deal is just so. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, they, they took a chance. I don't think it was the worst chance, but it's clearly not no, working out. It wasn't. So. It wasn't. And just unfortunately, he's just not the guy that he's not the guy that you necessarily can gamble on health wise. So. Um. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great or, point. Like it all. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you're absolutely but, right. He's not. <laughs> he he like, he's he's kind of Mister Glass at yeah. this point. But there's guys that I, I'd be okay not not seeing in a Cavs uniform after this. Like, um, oh, I mean, I'm I'm all the way out on on Jetty now. <laughs> yeah, I. Honestly, at this point, I feel like I like Jetty the player a lot, but I almost feel like he needs a change of scenery as much as the Cavs need, you know, need to find somebody else in that role. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I know. And, I mean, and honestly, honestly I, sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying I, I, I don't know that I want to continue down the Sexton road. I, mean, I don't know if I want to continue down the JB Bickerstaff road. That's that's kind of my my problem but the Cavs aren't good at hiring head coaches they're only good at hiring associate head coaches <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i don't know who was the last coach i mean i mean look i wasn't i mean tyloo I, I think you know whatever but um i think the last i think the last head coach of the Cavs that i felt like oh yeah that guy that guy went us an extra 10, 15 games a year, just because he's a good coach, was probably Mike Fratello. I, I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, you could maybe say that about Paul Silas, but boy, they put a team maybe. that they put a team around Paul Silas that was not a Paul Silas team. Let's put it that way. Right. <laughs> right. No, but um, like, I mean, I think of I think of Fratello, I think of Lenny Wilkins, and I think yeah. of like Bill Fitch. Like those are the that's sort of the the three really great coaches that the Cavs have had. Oh. You know, in their history. Yeah, and it was so much fun because I watched, after the game the other night, I watched a tribute to Joe Tate 
Uh, and and oh yeah, the majority of it was filmed when they retired his jersey or retired his mic, basically, and hung his right. banner in right. the rafters. And put his yeah the, yeah, the voice of the Cavs. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it was so great because you know Fratello was on that, Bill Fitch was on that, uh, Lenny Wilkins was on that, and it was like, man, they just had this unbelievable string of really smart, really well spoken kind of you know, super intelligent coaches. Um, yeah. Well, even um, George, Car- even George Carl in the George Carl remember he and- got that, he got that 82 team or whatever uh, way further than, than anybody thought he could. Yeah. And who, who was, didn't they have one more coach that ended up coaching the bullets for a while? <sighs> yeah. Uh, Ran- Randy Whitman, Randy, Wh- Randy Whitman wasn't a bad coach for the Cavs either. So yeah, he wasn't bad. Yeah. I I, I coached the Hawks for a while too. You know, and the last guy that I thought, man, that guy's a really good coach. I I would say I would put Ty Lue in John that group. Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> I'd put John Ty Lue in that group because I felt like Ty Lue was the perfect coach for that group. Yeah, you know I guess what I mean. So. I guess I mean, so. Ty Lue I mean, was so not... much of that was so much of that was about LeBron though. Too. Well, it was, but he was the perfect guy for. I I don't know if any other coach helps LeBron get back from 3-1 the way he did. You know what I mean? That's true. That's a good point. I I, I wouldn't give him short shrift on that. Yeah. I mean, he's no, not. I'm, and, I, and that to me is the greatest championship in NBA history. And yes, I don't sell I anybody agree. short on that championship. <laughs> no, but, but high, keeping hiring and keeping, uh, uh, Longabardi was really <laughs> tarnished that image from it. Well, yeah, and then, yeah, and then of course you know the John Beeline thing last year was like oh, one God, of those. The further we got that into was. that, we we're like, what were they? Oh my God! Let, let's just hire an ancient guy that literally has no idea what he's doing, and, on top <laughs> and literally of is gonna, alienating the players. Well, yeah, and he's going to alienate the players by, you know, with his, his you know, his uh, his charmingly racist ways. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's literally the no more malarkey. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, that guy just felt like, yeah. that guy just felt like, hey, I'm going to get paid and I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> he yeah. realized like, oh. Oh, this isn't like college at all. <laughs> no, this was a bad idea. Like, you know, it was a bad idea because he gave back the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, look, there, there's a handful. Look, I mean, look at what uh, people can say negative things about about Tom Thibodeau, and you know, I think I don't think Thibodeau knows how to. I don't think he could he could you know run an offense to save his life, but he. He knows how to change a culture of a team and get them to buy in defensively. I mean, look at the Knicks. Yeah, well, I would say the other side of that is Tom Thibodeau is smart enough to know that he doesn't know that, and he's just going to get an assistant sure. to do that. No, <laughs> you sure. know, um, no, but but that's just it. Like like he he you know his his style wears out. You know, oh for he's sure, not, he's he's not a coach that has longevity. Like there's very few of those kinds of guys anymore. Yeah, and there's. So. And the guy that get you from, you know, being a developing team to being a contending team, like, it doesn't feel like they're the same guy in the NBA for the most part. You know what right. I mean? Like, and maybe Nick Nurse is is kind of the exception to that rule or, you know, 
I don't, I don't know buttonholes. Maybe, but 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 ask but ask yourself this: If Toronto misses the playoffs this year, yeah, and they got to blow it up and start over with Pascal, maybe Pascal and and maybe you know whatever draft pick they get, and they have another year or two of losing. You think Nick Nurse survives that in today's um, NBA? Probably, probably really? in All the right. same way that. Um, you know, Rick Carlisle. Well, no, but uh, I would say, well, Ty Lue could have stayed. That was Ty Lue's choice, honestly. Yeah, I, I think Ty Lue checked out, and I think they kind of made he kind of made them fire him. Right. You know. Well, but who's to say Nick Nurse doesn't too? Yeah, but there's guys that have done that. I mean, you look at Rick Carlisle, you look at yeah. uh, Popovich, you look at Eric Spolstra, who you know those three guys to me are. At least Spolster and Popovich are probably the two best coaches in the NBA. Um, uh, you know, yeah. all the way away. And I put Monty Williams in that list too, because I have a tremendous amount of respect for, for Monty Williams. But it's that there's, there's not very many of those guys that can take a, that can also coach the developing players as well as the championship player. Yeah. Um, no, that's a good point. You know, and, and part of it is because the best NBA players are also ridiculously smart and are basically coaches on the floor. You know, right. <laughs> LeBron's head coach's job is to get roadblocks out of his way and do all the things that he doesn't need need to spend time <laughs> worrying about. <laughs> right. You know, and, and to your point earlier about Ty Lue, like he he was the right coach to get the most out of LeBron, and that's oh yeah, for sure. Um, and it certainly wasn't the fighter pilot. <laughs> no, which, poor David Blatt. Which was again, I, I don't think even David blame. Blatt would, I actually think David Blatt would have done a really good job with the this young team. Oh, I I'm with you. I think, um, um, I <laughs> I think that was a whole like they kind of had no idea that LeBron was really coming back, and they'd already hired David Blatt, although. Right. You know, part of me is like, well, if you think that's a possibility, why don't you hire somebody that you think would be a good fit with LeBron? But, you know, that's why I thought David Fisdale would be a great fit. But he hasn't had great head coaching stints either. Although nope. I think I think Memphis and I think uh, New York were both bad fits for him. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it, it certainly I don't know who I would hire. If if the Cavs, you know, did let JB Bickerstaff go, uh, he's probably oh, earned himself. I think for sure. Season. I think for sure another another septuagenarian Michigan <laughs> college. He'd make like, another uh, run at Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo. Why not? Yeah, uh, God. He didn't get him. He didn't get him ten years ago. He should. Well, you know, he's he now. has. Uh, I think he had a a controversy this last week for shaking a player on the sideline. And so it's like putting his hands. That on sounds him. about right. That sounds, sounds about perfect. right. Yeah, <laughs> it's it perfect for the Cavs. It'll it, last about. It'll last till like you know January. <laughs> last to MLK Day. Yeah, yeah. They are really bad at hiring head coaches. They're they really bad at it. Yeah, I mean, there, there's two things the Cavs are terrible at: hiring head coaches and keeping Drafting G point guards. <laughs> And paying GMs that win them championships. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we we're, we've gone on way we we've gone like beyond beyond the call. Yeah. 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 It's I, about five thirty in the morning my time. Oh, so. I'm sorry. I do want to say I do want to get your take on. You know, it is one game, but Halliburton versus Okoro, I, I think we know who won this round. Oh, yeah. Although, I will say, I think Luke Walton knows more about how to use Tyrese Halliburton than J.B. Biggerstaff knows how to use Isaac Okoro to their strengths. I, that's a great point. <laughs> I mean, but, I mean, look, if you if you swap those two guys... Do you, I, I'm not convinced that Tyrese Halliburton would have the same level of of success under JB Bickerstaff and his his uh, lack of an offensive um, mindset, you know, versus what Luke Walton might have been able to do with an Isaac Okoro in that system. So uh, that, that's also a good point. In that in that system, Isaac Okoro would be doing the things he's good at, which is. Have the you know have have the ball in his hands, be a finisher, you know, yeah, like make some plays be in the, the guy court. That, yeah, you know, doing that the backdoor cuts and things like that. I mean, like there'd be a lot more of that, and he's actually probably a kind of player that would really benefit a team like Sacramento, who does typically have problems stopping people. So <laughs> that's um, true. Anyways, just I mean, just yeah. for what it's worth, I think I think. You can always sort of play that game. I think Tyrese Halliburton probably had it in his head to, you know, show the Cavs what they missed. Like he probably. Oh, did I'm with you, and the... and more power to him for it. I mean, I was I sure. was super impressed with the guy. I thought he oh, played yeah. lights out. Oh no, he he. What he missed like four shots, I think. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, and and super heady play all the way around for the most part. I mean, oh, yeah, and that the was other, that, the other the other trademark on that... coming out too, right? I mean, his trademark yeah. was. He's a very smart player, but I actually think Okoro is a very smart player too. I just think it's his smarts are more on the defensive side than than the offensive side. He's he's had some. I mean, obviously, I saw more of his games early on before I, um, you know, before I left for this job. But um, but I think he's got some great instincts, and I think that could be honed by the right coaching. Yeah, so. yeah, and and I will say the other side of it is this season with literally they're playing more than a game every other day it's really hard to put changes oh, it's a meat in grinder it yeah. is it is just we can yeah we can barely keep up with it <laughs> and, I yeah, say and all we, we're doing is writing recaps the, I, yeah i say the royal we because i, I no. haven't done a recap oh. since you know, january yeah, so. yeah, it, eg you'll always be part of the royal we <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for that. <laughs> Absolutely, no, we all get it. I mean, it, no, I'm I'm with you. It's it, it's hard to do. I mean, there was a, another guy I was impressed with tonight was Reachon Holmes, who I've always wanted the Cavs yeah. to get. You know, unrestricted free agent, well, by the way. <laughs> I was gonna say he's been in some trade talks, right, Reachon Holmes? Yeah, well, because he's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, and right. Harrison Barnes and uh, Bialicia, and yeah, that's a that's a team. You know that makes as little sense as the Cavs do from a way they've kind of managed the long term assets. Right. You know, Buddy Heald supposedly on the trade block. You know, a lot of people. Well, remember when Marvin Bagley the third was like the next the next yeah. big thing? And then, well, you heard the thing that what happened, happened to him. 
So you heard this week they offered Marvin Bagley to the Pistons for Sadiq Bay, who was drafted like fifteenth, and the wow. and has played really well. And the and the Pistons said no. <laughs> so jeez, yeah, no, I th- I think yeah, I think actually Bagley could probably be had. I think there's another situation where both sides probably need a trade, but um. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens. It should be an interesting week. We'll probably have a podcast posted Friday morning as well. I know uh, Elijah Kim wanted to have a, you know, post trade deadline podcast. Sure. So, so look forward sure. to that. And uh, thank you, EG, for uh, for staying up to the wee hours of to to the yeah, Eastern European dawn. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's good to get back on the on the pod with you and. Uh... Yeah, you know, it's got a. I got uh, a couple more weeks. I'll be back in back in in the states in uh, mid April, so I should be able to catch the last month of the of the season and and chip in with some things. So nice. Um, anything you got to pitch? Um, what a- I got any to crazy pitch? Eastern European stories? <laughs> oh, I got so many of those, but it's <laughs> there may not be pod worthy. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, Pot it appropriate. would be at a certain point, but yeah. Or maybe uh, you wait till you're no longer in country. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, most of them go around in and around this movie, but um, yeah. Uh, what, I, you know, I, I I started watching this show that I never got into when it was when it was live, and and now I'm like super into it. Um, the leftovers. I don't know if you watched okay. that, but Damon Lindelof. I have not watched yeah. it. Honestly, man, it's such a, I mean, it's a little bit of, um, misery porn, I guess, but, um, but beyond, if you get past that, the acting is fantastic. So, um, if you haven't checked out, I've, I've heard three seasons, you and one of my best friends from Alaska both recommended it. And I, ever since Damon Lindelof is literally responsible for two of the biggest, you know, screen disappointments in my life prometheus <laughs> and the end of lost so right right <laughs> um i i do hold a grudge but i've heard he's really good and you know the the first season of watchmen was phenomenal so yeah yeah it was and <laughs> so uh, yeah i mean look anyways it's it's uh I, I might have to give it a try yeah, it's it's worth it's worth a worth a spin if you if you get a chance. And did you ever uh, give uh, Race by Wolves a shot? I did. I did. I liked okay. that a lot. Oh, did you yeah. watch the whole series? I did. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I thought I it was that. super interesting. I mean, I I thought it was the perfect kind of length with the number of episodes too. Yeah. Like no, no, any, I, any more than that would have been kind of a drag. So. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Yeah. But, uh, um. I I don't have too much to pitch. I think uh, the the newest season, The Expanse, which just wrapped recently, w- was was pretty solid. Um, but I I haven't been into too much else other than you know working and and right. listening to the Hold Steady, which I pitched on the last podcast. So yeah, no, I like the Hold Steady. <laughs> I haven't yeah. listened to the new the new one, but um, there's a new. Uh, I think it's new Killers album. Um, oh yeah, that came out last good. fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they just released a deluxe version or something. Okay, nice. Like, like this this month. So, um, but yeah, it's it's a good listen. Uh, nice into the Killers. 
yeah, no, I I thought it I thought it was a solid effort. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. It's about, not Samstown, but you know, it's, well, it's not bad. Yeah, I I'm trying to think if I've listened to anything else good. I got on a big Cars kick this week again, just because. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I love the Cars. Uh, yeah, when when Rick Ocasek died, I probably listened to him for about a month straight, and then and then this week I just kind of got back into him again. So. Yeah. But, did um were you did I ever pitch uh that um well, one of my favorite Canadian bands is this band called Wolf Parade. And, oh yeah, I um, love Wolf Parade. Yeah, so do you know do you listen to Spencer Krug's other stuff? Um, no, I have not. Like so do yourself a favor um cuz I went back and I was listening to this cuz I I used to love this album and I, I and I just started listening to it here on the treadmill or whatever, but um, uh, there's this all, there's this sort of side band that he's in called Sunset Rubdown, and they did oh three I've heard albums. of Sunset Rubdown. Yep. So the third the third and the last Sunset Rubdown album was called um, uh, Dragon Slayer, and the whole I mean honestly every song is is fantastic. So it's it's like eight or nine songs, but you know cover to cover, just greatness. If you I haven't would, listened to it, check it out. It's I from like 2009, it so it's not exactly new. It's, you know, nah. what, 12 it's years It's new old, to right? us because we're old. <laughs> That's right. But, um, but yeah, if you get a chance, check it out. It's, it's Yeah. Oh, I will say uh, the other one I wanted to pitch uh, was an East Coast kind of underground rap band called Aesop Rock. Spotlight. Oh, yeah. I love Aesop Rock. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So their new album that came out um, – in the in the last year is is really good uh that's cool it is called uh spirit world field guide it, it it's nice. excellent so check it out oh also a uh, new group love album just dropped oh last week. nice nice and if you're a group love fan it's, have it's you, have you watched movie. oh sorry go ahead no go ahead i was gonna say have you watched the Zack snyder cut yet <laughs> No, <laughs> it's the big. It's one four game. hours. I'm trying it's four to... hours. That's a that's a big commitment, <laughs> especially on on this job. I I, I yeah. it was like I have to parcel out my time so I can. Well, I plus can you're like staring at screens all day anyway, probably. Yeah, it's a lot of that. So. <laughs> yeah, and it's all in oddly enough four by three format, which just makes no sense to me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little bizarre. <laughs> that's a lot bizarre. <laughs> But yeah. anyway, well, I, I heard like the whole colorization of it is different too, right? I, I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> what was the one I heard the other day? Somebody was making fun of it and saying that they were going to release an all black and white cut. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, that's yeah. all she wrote for Cavs the podcast. Um, check Fair out, enough. uh, check out the uh, trade deadline coming up, and a lot of Cavs games in our future, and and hopefully, eg can. Can catch some of them and uh, hopefully. Hey, West Coast Swing, they'll be they'll be on you know in my in my early morning as opposed to my really late night. So, (laughs) well, thanks for being on, EG, and uh, stay safe. That's good to be here. Safe travels, and it was great talking to you. And as always, man, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire.